Today is the second in our series of 50 Baptists You Should Know, and this morning we're going to look at the Anabaptists, and actually for the next couple weeks we're going to look at the Anabaptists, but this morning we're going to look at one of their greatest theologians by the name of Balthazar Hubmeyer. And I just want to uh, go through some back up a little bit and, and uh, talk about the, the 1500s, but in 1517 the Reformation began as Martin Luther posted his 95 disputes on the door of Wittenberg Cathedral. And as the Reformation swept through Europe, um, independent of Luther, there was a, a, a reformer, uh, Ulrich Zwingli in Zurich, in Switzerland, he began preaching also the ideas of reforming the, the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, Zwingli was followed and supported by several young men. Um, some of them were monks. They were uh, priests in the Catholic Church. Um, some were just uh, influential in the community. And these men began studying the Bible together, and each one of them became scriptural, scripturally saved. And they sought then, they didn't know any better, and they sought also to, you know, restore their churches and the, and the, the main church there in, in, uh, in Zurich back to its original New Testament, uh, principles. Here are some of the distinctions of these godly men. Uh, they said, first of all, the scripture was the only authority in all matters of faith and practice. The salvation is by faith alone, apart from baptism. Therefore, infant baptism has to be rejected because babies, babies can't be saved. The church is composed of only believers, should, should be composed of only believers, and is independent of any external power. And then fourthly, baptism isn't necessary for salvation, but is a step of obedience after one is saved. Now, these, uh, those will sound familiar because we, we would believe each one of those tenets. But these believers were soon tagged with the, with the name Anabaptist. Anna meaning again or re, and, uh, because they had the audacity to rebaptize adults, uh, who had been baptized as infants. Now, these men never referred to themselves as Anabaptists, and actually they objected to the term because uh, they they believed that no one could be baptized a second time if he hasn't been scripturally baptized the first time. But uh, they prefer to be called brethren or, or Bible-believing Christians. But the nickname stuck, and uh, the, the, their enemies gave them, and today we call them Anabaptists. And these Anabaptists are really the, the forerunners of modern-day Baptists, and uh, godly men they were. Well, I'm going to shift gears now and, and move to, that's, that's happening in, in Switzerland. But in 1480, uh, prior to this, um, a man was born, Balthazar Hubmeyer was born in Bavaria, which is today modern Germany. And uh, he was uh, born into a family that could give him an education of means. He began to study for the priesthood. He received, he's a brilliant young man, and began to study uh, for the priesthood. When he was 18 years old, he received his bachelor's degree from the university there. And then in 1512, he received his doctorate, uh, his master's and doctorate from the University of Ingolstadt um, and uh, went into the Catholic ministry. As he was reading the scriptures and studying as a, as a Roman Catholic priest, he became disillusioned with with what he was being, what he had been taught to teach as far as the Bible doctrine. Um, by 1523, he actually was in touch with Zwingli in Switzerland. He was he was reading Luther's sermons that were out there, and this is all as a Catholic priest. But in 1523, as he studied the Word of God, um, he he was saved and gloriously saved. He. He uh, uh, quit the priesthood. He, he was married, so he was married and saved in fifteen in, 20, in fifteen twenty three. 
as I said, he was in full communication with Zwingli over in Switzerland. Uh, in fact, at one point, Zwingli would have, we'll talk about this next week, but Zwingli would have a great debate with the Catholic hierarchy, and he would ask uh, Hubmeier to come to come to Zurich and help him with that debate, which he did, and became they became very close and, and warm friends at that time. Now, Hubmeier, um, as, a, as a great biblical scholar and really a preacher of great power, he, uh, he soon discovered that even in Zurich, uh, Zwingli wasn't doing what he should do. And Zwingli was waffling on the infant baptism thing. And, and uh, just to make a long story short, he, he gradually and deliberately embraced the Anabaptist principles. And this caused that friendship with Zwingli to be, to be severed. Uh, he and Zwingli uh, were, were become um, former friends. And, uh, but he was a great preacher. And, and again, I said a great scholar, and he would preach in the open air, and, and uh, soon the, the whole population in the countryside was becoming saved and, and baptized and becoming Baptists. Well, the popularity, his popularity and that effectiveness as a preacher soon drew the attention of the Reformers and the Catholics alike, and he was soon arrested and cast into a dungeon. I will say that you know he baptized hundreds of people in this short period of time, and, and um, the, the historians say that in the next couple of years he would be he would be imprisoned for a while, but he got out for a little bit. But in those next couple of years, he baptized over twelve thousand believers, and uh, just an amazing how God swept amazing how God swept through that area, and these these uh, these people were saved. But as he lay in this dungeon, as he was arrested and put in the dungeon. He lay there at first for four months. He appealed to his old friend Zwingli. Uh, Zwingli ignored him. He appealed to the emperor. He appeared to the, the city council, uh, but all in vain. Um, he was not an old man. He was 45, I believe, at this time. And uh, but, but being in that dungeon, uh, his health broke. His wife was also in prison. Um, he was in a dungeon with more than 20 others. There was no light, uh, of the sun or the moon. Bread and water were the only nourishments, but... In a place where the dead and the and the living were locked up together, uh, it was a sickening uh, era time and and uh, really uh, broke his health. Um, his only hope was uh, death or recantation, and the the Catholics just uh, put an immense amount of pressure on him to recant his faith. Um, he uh, they used all methods of persuasion. They they tortured him. They um, they used they tied him to the rack and stretched him. And um, in his weakened condition, he agreed to recant his faith. Um, in his words later, he said, They compelled or sought to compel me, a very sick man, just risen from a bed of death, hunted and exiled and having lost all that I had to teach another faith. And so Zwingli uh, came to Vienna, very excited about this. They had broken, they had broken this great Anabaptist scholar. And Zwingli preached in the cathedral uh, a scathing sermon against the against the Anabaptists and there's a huge crowd that had gathered in the cathedral and outside the cathedral and then the the moment of truth he had Hubmeyer in, in his broken health uh, ascend the steps to the pulpit to recant his faith and as Hubmeyer began he uh, he uh, swayed to and fro it said because of his weakness he could barely barely stand and uh, then he said he raised himself to his full height as if it is, as if strengthened by, by God himself. And, and he filled the great cathedral with this shout. And he said, infant baptism is not of God, 
men must be saved and then baptized by faith in Christ. Well, you can imagine just the shock that went through the, that, through that time and, and, uh, people, you know, uh, were, were, uh, seized with horror and some shouted approval and, and there was a great almost riot outside the, outside the cathedral. Well, he was, he was, uh, dragged from the pulpit through that mass of people and thrown back into the dungeon. To make a long story short, March 10th, 1528, he was led to his death, um, with his heart fixed on the truth that he found in, in Christ and his word. His wife, as he walked to the, walked to the uh, place of death. His wife uh, exhorted him to be strong and faithful. Uh, when he got there, of course, the wood was stacked high. They were going to um, uh, execute him by burning him. Uh, he was stripped of his clothing. The, the executioner uh, rubbed sulfur and gunpowder into his long beard. You know, when he was taken to the execution, um, he spoke words of comfort to himself. Uh, uh, historians say that as he as he went to the place of execution, he's quoting verses to himself. Um, he, when he arrived at the scaffold, he he was of course accompanied by a great amount of people that were following him there, and he turned to those people and 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 he said, "Oh my gracious God, grant me grace in my great suffering." And then he said to those people that were gathered, he asked if he had part if if um, if he had offended anyone and asked them for their forgiveness if he had. Um, of course, they had already lit the fire, and uh, he was said to have cried out, Oh, my heavenly Father, oh, my gracious God. And when his hair and beard uh, burned, he said, Oh, my Jesus, and he was choked by that smoke and died. Um, his biographer says that he sealed his faith in his blood like a knight. And his wife uh, did likewise. Three days later, they, they hung a, a heavy stone around her neck and threw her off. Uh, the bridge into the Danube where she where she drowned. I'm, uh, you know, just uh, this story and what this man went through is an amazing thing. But uh, he's been compared to the Apostle Peter in many ways. Um, there are similarities. Uh, he was impetuous. He was untiring. Uh, he was outspoken in his convictions. But when persecution came on him, he backslid and he denied the Lord, just like uh, Simon Peter. Uh, however, he repented of his sin and was enabled by God to give a, 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 fan, a, a wonderful testimony of, of uh, divine grace before he was was killed in the flames. But this weakness troubled him greatly. Um, he he said in a short apology in 1526, it includes these statements. He said, "I may err, I am a man, but a heretic I cannot be. Oh God, pardon me my weakness." And then he said these these moving words: "Let me not be ashamed in eternity." And um, um, Hubmeyer was one of the Anabaptists that, that they could never, uh, his enemies could never find a charge of immorality or unchristian-like conduct. He stands as one of the most heroic figures of his age. There was a, a phrase taken from his testimony where he said, truth is immortal. And I just think of those words as I, as I give this um, story this morning that uh, may we ask God in this generation to grant us to stand for truth regardless of the cost. I thank the Lord this morning for Baltizer Hubmeyer.